Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Will Dennis about applied improvisation and how organizations can stand to benefit from it. Will Dennis, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. Yeah, I am excited to have a unique conversation today. We we talk a lot about various people management, organizational leadership, um, people-centric organizational types of topics. Um, you have a kind of a different background and a unique perspective on this. We're going to be talking about applied improvisation and how organizations can benefit from it. Uh, super interesting to me, and I'm I'm really intrigued by where this conversation will go today, and how this can be utilized to benefit, uh, you know, our leadership style, our teams, and really organizational innovation and productivity as a whole. As we get started, I just wanted to share Will's bio with everybody. Will Dennis is the owner and operator of Unscripted Productions, an improv studio in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, offering classes, group events, corporate workshops, and live performances. As an entrepreneur, he also has a breadth of experience in a number of different fields, including fundraising, education, management, and professional theater. He is a proud member of the Actors' Equity Association. Unscripted Productions has been working with companies and organizations across the spectrum of industries from dentistry to accounting to marketing to pharmaceuticals to research analysis to teaching and everything in between to introduce applied improvisation as a method to transform leaders, teams and culture in the workplace. I love it. Uh, I'm super excited uh, to dig into this with you. Before we Start with the conversation, though. Anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of background or personal context? Uh, yeah, I mean, just uh, it's sort of a combination of all of those things have led me to exactly where we are now and the opportunity to have this very cool conversation. So most of it comes from sort of my obsession or love of improvisation itself, and then having that filter through all the different things I've had a chance to do in my life. So my hope is that we have an awesome conversation, uh, but mostly that uh, my love of improv and how it can change the world to think small uh, it comes through loud and clear. Perfect, perfect. Well, and let's start there um, because I, I was not familiar with the, the term applied improvisation. So what is applied improvisation and how can organizations stand to benefit from it? Yeah, sure. So applied improvisation is, I guess it's a, it's a newer phrase uh, over the past 15 or so years, but it really comes from this notion that the same ideas, the same concepts, the same um, tenets, if you will, that make 
celebrities or comic geniuses out of the likes of, you know, Tina Fey and John Belushi and Will Ferrell and Steve Carell and all of those folks that we know out of, you know, Second City or the Groundlings or all of these improv studios, those same concepts can sort of transform all of us as individuals and transform what we do as far as work, relationships, whatever. So the, the phrase itself is really just saying, let's take improv and apply it to everything but a performance, so to speak. So how can we apply it to our lives, to our relationships, to parenting, uh, to the workplace, to everything in between, um, and see the power of these sort of basic tenets that open up the possibilities for everyone. Because most people, you know, you hear the word improv or you show up to a meeting and someone says there's going to be improv. Most of us, uh, we start sweating, you know, uh, we throw up in our mouths. We try to sort of find the bathroom as quickly as possible. So a lot of what applied improvisation does is it, it debunks those myths that it's all about sort of being funny, being spontaneous, being witty. And it's actually more about acceptance than anything else. Yeah. Well, well, thank you for that. And I have to say, so just to, I don't know, maybe a month ago, my wife and I went to an improv show, an improv comedy show. And the very first thing we did when we sat down is we looked to each other and we promised to each other that we weren't going to like volunteer the other to <laughs> yeah. like go up on stage. <laughs> so, you know, to your point, like that's like, we, we love being there. We love uh, the atmosphere, I, but I don't want to go up on stage. I don't, I don't want right. to be part of it um, because that's, that's like a huge fear that I have. Um, and to your point, though, it's more about acceptance. And ultimately, when, you know, people do go up on stage, it's not like we're all, you know, judging them and, you know, for whatever they are or aren't doing. Um, and, and we just want to have fun. So um, maybe we can next talk a little bit about those, those core principles of improv. Um, you mentioned, you know, that there's these principles that can then be applied into the workplace, uh, help to transform our culture, uh, help to shift our leadership style, make more you know, dynamic teams. So what are those five core principles of improv that you focus on? Yeah, sure. And it's important to sort of uh, note that these are ours that we've decided to focus on at Unscripted. So you can go across the world to different companies, different studios, different improvisers, and they may have a different set, right? Um, but these are five that we've sort of we've taken over the course of a couple of years and sort of packaged it as like, this is our version of applied improvisation. So you can, you can find people, specifically Kelly Leonard out of Second City is doing phenomenal work with applied improvisation. Uh, he's sort of the father of it all. And he would probably have slightly different tenets. Um, and uh, there's a number of other folks doing fantastic work that would have different ones. But for us, we focus on these five tenets, these five core principles that help us, again, apply these to our everyday lives, workplace, whatever. The first, and this one is uniform. This one is across the board. I often tell students, like, if you go to Dubuque and run into somebody on the street who's taken an improv class and say, what is the first rule? Everyone, anyone who's ever taken an improv class should be able to immediately say that the first rule of improv is yes and, okay, this phrase yes and. It's become a little bit more common even in society, it's become sort of a buzz phrase, but it's that notion that everything in improv starts with first and foremost acceptance 
and then contribution, right? Uh, being open to the possibility of accepting one another, accepting one another's ideas, and then being committed to contributing something of our own to make those ideas better and better and better. So if, if nothing else gets through, that is sort of that golden rule is this idea of yes and. You can't succeed in improv without embracing that first tenet. So that's the one from which everything else flows, but it's imperative. That idea of acceptance and contribution and then recognizing that both of those things have to be there, right? It's not just about saying yes. A lot of times people are like, oh, first rule is yes. Well, no, there's that contribution element so that we're not just becoming a walking mat or a yes man or whatever you want to say. That's not what it's about. It's not just saying yes to everything. It's about actively participating with an openness, with a curiosity, with an acceptance. The second tenet we talk about is uh, give yourself up for the good of the team. Now, a lot, this is usually when people are like, oh yeah, real nice, Will, kumbaya, selflessness, blah, blah, blah. And that's, that's a huge part of it. A huge part of it is the outward focus, is that notion that if I focus all of my energy on making my team look good, everyone succeeds. That is hugely important. Um, but the thing I like most about this is, you know, for my money, and I have nothing to back this up with, but uh, for, for my money, I would say that the number one roadblock to creativity is judgment and specifically self-judgment, right? When I'm being less creative than usual, when I'm not sort of achieving a certain level of success, if I take a good look at myself, it's because I'm judging myself for everything that I do. I'm judging myself for everything that comes out of my mouth. I'm judging myself for how I look, whatever it is. And if I'm judging myself, I can't, I can't create. Well, if I'm focused 100% on everyone around me, I don't have time to judge myself, right? I don't have time to think about the fact that I have bushy eyebrows or that I'm five, six on a good day, you know, or the fact that I sweat the minute I step out of my house. I can't think about those things if all of my energy and effort is on, great, how do I make Jonathan look as good as possible here? That's, that's my job. So it has that sort of added benefit of not only making an entire team rise, but I stop judging myself. I stop thinking about that and allows me, it opens up the potential for me to be more creative, to be uh, more innovative, to be more accepting as well. Uh, so that's, that's our second one. The third one that we look at is, this is a tricky one, but we call it make statements. So this is one that has gone through, we've sort of revised a hundred times how we're gonna say this. It used to be, uh, don't ask questions. But here's the thing is that that's fine in, a, in an improv show, something like that. You want to avoid questions. And there's very good reasons for that. In a relationship, in a workplace setting, in parenting, in whatever, questions are hugely important as far as learning, right? It, it's, it's a pivotal tool to have in a learning environment. When we seek information, when we want to learn, we start with questions. So we got rid of that, that idea of don't ask questions and replace it with make statements. And what's behind this is, if you already, if you can phrase something as a statement, phrase it as a statement, right? Because what's going to happen there is you already have the conviction, the question isn't necessary. But what you're doing is that you're making an offer to somebody else instead of asking for something from somebody else, right? We use the word gifts a lot. You're giving a gift instead of asking for a gift. Nobody likes somebody who asks for a gift, right? But people love people who give gifts. And that's the notion. So I use sort of the most basic example sometimes. If I hold my hand out 
to another player, another person, and it's open. And I say, what's this? Well, if I'm that other person, I sweat instantly, right? That pressure goes right up. I go, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait. I don't know. What are you talking about? I didn't know I was going to have to decide. And all of the work is on me as the receiver, as opposed to if I hold that handout and it's open, I say, here's an apple. Then I know at least that I have an apple. Right. And I can build from that because I've, I've been given a gift. I haven't been asked to generate a gift out of thin air. So another way of saying is like, say what you know, if you know something, if you have the given circumstances, announce those, announce your truth. And then it allows everyone else to yes. And from that point, instead of dancing around a truth that you already have by phrasing it as a question. So the fourth one, this is probably my favorite. Uh, this is a huge shout out to Improv Olympic in Chicago. So a couple of, we used to talk about this as um, there are no mistakes in improv. And that's something very common that you'll hear. Um, and there's a ton of truth to that. I went, my wife is an amazing human. And a couple of years ago, we flew out to Chicago so that I could uh, take a class, um, a, a workshop seminar at Improv Olympic in Chicago. And it's the first time I heard people refer to mistakes as fumbles instead of mistakes. And right there, I was like, I'm taking that. That is, that's awesome. And the reason I love it is if anyone's a football fan, you know that if there's a fumble on the football field, everyone pounces on that fumble. Everyone's energy is about picking up that ball. Everyone's energy is about taking that fumble and turning it into an opportunity. I've never seen a football game, uh, Jonathan, I don't know if you have, I don't know if anyone has, where somebody fumbles and everyone runs the opposite direction, right? It's like, well, back to the locker room, head for the tunnels, this is scary. That doesn't happen. People go, oh, there's an opportunity. It's either an opportunity to get the ball back or it's an opportunity to flip possession. And it's that same idea as far as mistakes go. In improv, so we've started calling them fumbles. So mistakes are fumbles, which are opportunities. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Ordinary Everyday Actions That Produce Extraordinary Results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Like you, I really like that idea because not only is it seen as an opportunity, but it's seen as, you know, everyone's on the team and they have each other's back, right? Nobody's trying to fumble. And in fact, everyone knows it's a huge deal. If you fumble, it's a problem. 
Um, and so everyone tries to have each other's back. They try to make the most out of it. Uh, it in that moment that the ball comes out, it's not like everyone stops and then they start pointing fingers and saying, you screwed up. Rather, they're just trying to pick up the ball and run with it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's why these are all so interconnected too. And I love that notion of that's what, a, that's what a fumble is about in that moment is having one another's back. You're right. Nobody's stopping and saying, you fumbled it. Let's bring a ton of attention on you right now. And the fact that you fumbled, it's not, it's like, all right, how can we pick this up one way or another to focus on moving forward? How do we turn this into some sort of opportunity? It also, uh, to your point there, Jonathan, which I love is it doesn't pretend that mistakes don't exist. Sometimes when we say there are no mistakes in improv and we try to apply that to our lives, well, like, guess what? My, my day is a series of mistakes that happen. And it's not like they don't exist. And it's not like there aren't repercussions. Like a lot of times we talk to, we talk to, you know, accountants and we do workshops. I'm like, look, your mistakes could call, cost people millions of dollars. Like, let's not pretend that there aren't mistakes here. Uh, it's the idea that, yeah, when the mistake happens, when a fumble happens, we're all going to find a way to pick up the ball or we're all at least going to pursue it. And then whoever might be most capable is going to pick that up so that we can all then start that process of yes and of looking out for one another all over again. Uh, which leads to that point specifically, that idea of whoever's most capable in the moment picks the ball up. The fifth tenant is this idea of build, uh, bring, bring a brick. So another way of saying it is bring a brick, we'll build the cathedral together. Um, and that's the idea that a lot of times too, and we see this with novice improvisers in classes, and then a lot of times in, in workshops, it's a slightly different dynamic that it shows up is you assume because of those things we talked about earlier, right? You at an improv show going, oh God, I hope they don't call on me. Uh, all of us hearing improv and like wanting to throw up. Because of that, a lot of times what, if we do, if we take that first step and we sign up for a class or we participate in this workshop, we think that we have to have it all figured out the minute we sort of step on stage, so to speak that we have to have the beginning, the middle, the end, everything figured out. And that's not the idea. There's nothing in improv. There's nothing in training. There's nothing in the definition that says that you need to be quick, witty, spontaneous, and also know the entire plot of where your scene is going the minute you open your mouth. That's not the idea. That becomes the antithesis of yes end, right? So this notion of bring a brick, bring whatever it is that you bring, bring who you are, bring your skill set, bring your one idea, whatever it is, bring a brick. And then being open to that yes end, we get to build the house together. We get to build the cathedral together. And we, to, to look at it in reverse, right? No cathedral, no house could exist without sort of that cornerstone, that keystone to, upon which everything else gets laid. So like it, it, it allows us to be open to the possibility, the wild possibility that our one idea, our skill set, who we are as a human being could be the cornerstone for something great. And a lot of times we don't think that. We, we're too harsh on ourselves. We beat ourselves up. We judge ourselves 18 times before leaving the house to ever think that, oh, something that I offer might be worthy of being built upon. So those are the five. We throw those together uh, and, you know, 
due to the nature of improv, they're probably implemented differently depending on what company you might be working with, a specific class, whatever it is. It's, it's that idea of like, this is what makes sense for us. Now, how does it make sense for you in your workplace, in your environment, in your culture? Yeah, yeah. I, I think those those five core principles are really important. And I hope listeners, as, as you're describing those, I hope everyone w- was able to, to make the connections into what that looks like in your organization, with your leadership style, with your team, your team dynamics, and what you're trying to accomplish. I know I certainly did. Um, there's so much there about just opening yourself up to vulnerability, having trust in each other, helping each other out, uh, and, and just putting a positive step forward. Sometimes it's two steps forward, one step back, and that's okay. But that iterative process and not having to have it all figured out from the very beginning, um, that's essential within organizations if we want to be innovative, creative, and we don't want to get stuck in our fear of failure, uh, which is a very common problem in a lot of organizations. Um, One thing that... uh, has kind of come up a couple of times in our conversation today already is, is just the notion that people can get uncomfortable with improv. I think people get uncomfortable with uncertainty, right? People, and that's one thing about improv is like, you don't know, you don't know where it's going to go. It's not scripted. Uh, And so you just kind of have to learn to go with the flow, lean into the uncertainty with, you know, be comfortable with the discomfort uh, and the ambiguity and, you know, complexity of the dynamic that you're in. That's something that I think we all would do well to to learn how to cope with and even lean into and, and leverage because the reality is certainty is a facade. Like there is no, there's almost no certainty in the world. We like to pretend like there's certainty because that makes us comfortable uh, and we, and predict, you know, we feel like there's predictability. We feel like there's stability. Um, all that's good. It's, you know, probably a natural human tendency, but the reality is, especially in, hyper-competitive business, you know, where you're having to adapt and pivot all the time. If you want to be creative and innovative and work in dynamic ways collaboratively with your team, you, you just got to get past that discomfort and you have to lean into that uncertainty. And so imp- the, the principles of improv, I think, are just a really great way to, to couch that framing and to get ourselves, you know, outside of our comfort zone a little bit. Uh, and then we can, over time, get more comfortable with being uncertain. Yeah, or just that, absolutely, absolutely. And living in the uncertainty and it being okay and it not having to, you know, f- flexing on the fly, right? You can plan uh, plan, and you should. You should absolutely plan and strategic plans and, you know, outlooks and things like that. But what do, what do you do when those plans don't come to fruition? Especially after the year and a half that we've had, right? Like un- uncertainty should be the word that we all have sort of indelibly placed in our hearts is like, yeah, you can't really count on anything because you don't know. And then once you think that you've gotten certainly figured it out, it changes again, uh, you know? And it's that notion of if you can live in that and that's where culture starts to take place. Uh, you know, we've done a number of workshops. One of the things that we always talk about is if there's not buy-in from the top down, then don't bring us in. And that, like, that's something that we've seen in the past is a lot of times leaders will want this. Um, they understand the value of it. They've read up on it. They've seen other companies use improv and they want it for their teams, but they don't necessarily want it for themselves for that very reason you're talking about is it's the giving over of 
power, and I mean that in a multitude of ways, and the giving over of certainty. Uh, they want to be certain from here while giving their employees something, but they aren't able to go, yeah, let's do this. Let's live in a certain amount of uncertainty and embrace it and embrace that if we buy into these five things, to your point, Jonathan, uncertainty becomes really, really comfortable because it's all we know um, when we're used to the opposite. But it does become about flipping the script a little bit and starting to be used to the uncertainty instead of what we've been sort of programmed to do as humans and as a workforce for so many years. Yeah. And, and how about like, I consider myself primarily an introvert. It's a bit of a spectrum. I don't think anyone's completely introverted or completely extroverted. And we find ourselves probably in different parts of the spectrum, depending on context and situation. But generally speaking, I would say I'm more of an introvert than I am an extrovert. And that's one of the reasons why my wife and I turn to each other and say, don't you dare, you know, volunteer me to go. (laughs) Um, So a lot of times people will think, well, improv, that's only something an extrovert will do. Or if I'm trying to apply these principles in the workplace, you know, maybe I'm just out of luck, maybe innovation, creativity, leaning into uncertainty, maybe that's something that only extroverts will do. How would you respond to that? Yeah, well, first and foremost, I'm an introvert, right? Uh, I'm one of those people when they hear improv, I'm running from the bathroom, like, and, and I do it for a living. I perform it for a living too. And it's still in me, right? That, that uh, I'm very much, and you're right, it's a spectrum and we all fall at different points on it based on the circumstances, but that's me. Um, and, and what I'll say is, is applied improvisation or any really quality improv class will debunk all of that immediately, Right. It's a lot of times we talk about creating an environment for safe risk taking. And that's sort of what it becomes. So that you see through your own experience, you take a tiny little risk and it works out okay. And then you take a tiny little risk and it works out okay. And then you slowly start to see like, oh, improv isn't about extrovert or introvert. That's an assumption we all make. We think it's because of how closely associated improv is with acting right? And it's very much, it's a training ground for acting to be sure. But when we pull it out of that world, then it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert. I would say, especially in, the, in, in, in classes, introverts tend to ultimately be better improvisers than extroverts because they're, they're willing. They're willing to take the steps one step at a time, and they're willing to see when something is becoming successful and safe and creative and innovative extroverts a lot of times look now i'm like labeling every extrovert in the world but like they'll come in with so much already and for them it 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 is harder sometimes for an extrovert to go oh it's not about me it's about us than it is for an introvert takes comfort in the us versus the me which i think can be really really helpful and also goes into i mean this is a much bigger conversation but it goes into that notion of growth mindset right that even from an introvert and extrovert standpoint, we are not, we're not fixed. We're not fixed in our mindset. So through that process of these slow, safe risks, you start to rewire in a way that you go, oh, that's, that's not who, I, it's who I was, but now I can see this is sort of part of who I am too. So to your point of people just resigning to the fact of, oh, I guess I can't be innovative. I guess I can't be creative. Anyone, anyone can, anyone can improvise, anyone can innovate, anyone can be creative. It's just about being in a trusting, careful process 
to allow you to see that safely over the course of time, right? Nobody's going to say to me, hey, jump out of a plane tomorrow, it's gonna be okay. I'm not gonna do that. But if I slowly start sort of seeing that, oh, this little jump here, or this little risk is safe, it's okay. This thing with the parachute, then I can slowly get to a point of jumping out of a plane. Don't hold me to that, I'm, there's no way I'm jumping out of a plane, but nonetheless. Yeah, I'm scared of heights. There's no way I'm jumping out of a plane either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very good. Well, Will, it has been a real pleasure talking with you. And you, you've really helped expand my understanding and, and my mind around these topics. Um, it, I, I really hope that uh, listeners can latch on to some of the principles that you've been describing, because I think it, it really can help all of us in our teams, in our organizations. I notice our time is about to an end, um, but before we close for today, I, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about uh, your uh, organization, Unscripted Productions, uh, and then give us the final word on the topic for today. Awesome. Well, I mean, first and foremost, the best thing you can do if you want to get in touch with us, if you want to learn more, is just visit our website, unscriptedproductions.com. We have um, one of the blessings of the pandemic has been that we've been able to develop Zoom workshops for companies all over the world, right? When none of us were allowed to leave, we've we sort of shifted uh, and we've learned best practices for bringing improv to companies through a computer screen, which was new to us, but it was awesome. It was fun. So those that's obviously an opportunity. If you're thinking to yourself, I'm nowhere near Bucks County, do one of two things. Reach out to us about Zoom or just find a great improv studio near you. Everyone does phenomenal work. It's not about like, oh, it can just be us. Uh, so that's that's the best way. You can follow us on Instagram. You can follow us on Facebook at Unscripted Productions. Uh, you can connect with me, Will Dennis, on LinkedIn. And I'm happy to be a resource for anyone, even if you just have a question. It's not about, hey, let me sell you this program that we're doing. Um, I'm, my First and foremost, I'm trying to spread sort of the happy juice that is improv. So if I see it permeating the, the workforce, I really do believe, I said in the beginning that improv can change the world, but I, uh, I wholeheartedly believe that. So if it's getting out there, if you have questions on how to get it out there, feel free to reach out. But as far as the final, uh, a final thought on the topic, what I'll say to everyone is, I say this at the end of every workshop. I say like, look, tomorrow you're not gonna be a different person because you spent you know, three hours in an improv workshop. It's not going to be magic like that, but start paying attention. And this is what I just ask everyone to notice the moments in your life where there's a possibility to say yes and where we're conditioned to say no, because most of us are conditioned to say no, it's safer. It's safer to shut down somebody else's idea because we've been conditioned to think it's a threat to our own. But notice whether it is in your relationship, whether it is in parenting, whether it's at the, in the workplace, whether it's socially, whatever it is. Just pay attention to those little moments as they come along and go, oh, that I easily could have said yes and there. And I said, no, now, I'm not even telling you to say yes and. I'm just telling you, pay attention to it. Noticing is the first step. And then we'll start to see that improv, it, these tenets exist everywhere around us. So uh, yeah, the best way to apply applied improvisation is to pay attention, to take notice and to sort of wake up to its existence around us. 
Beautiful. Thank you so much, Will. It has been a real pleasure talking with you today. I encourage listeners to reach out, to get connected, find out more, find out more about what Will and his organization can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.